Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by one awesome co-host. Hello, I'm Laura. <laughs> and uh, after our massive episode last week, which obviously ran a little long because we were covering a great big game, we were talking about, well, big for us, we were talking about uh, Heaven's Vault. Go back and listen to that one if you missed it. It's uh, one of my favorite episodes we've done in a while. Uh, we decided we needed a little bit of a week to decompress and do something small and light, and two of our co-hosts couldn't make it, so we decided that this was finally the week that we were going to talk about The Haunted Island, a frog detective game. And I am extraordinarily happy we did because it is just the amount of silly and light and literal smiley faces that I needed in this inexplicably wintry Chicago weekend. Yeah, what is it with winter these days? Um, I remember somebody telling me at one point about Denver winters that winter here is like, like getting in an argument with somebody and they keep storming out and then every few minutes, they just come back into the room and say, and another thing. That's what winter's been like here. It's been one repeat after another. And we're finally, I think, back into some actually nice weather. But last week, it was like beautiful and then snow and then beautiful and then snow. And if you just want a beautiful little adorable game that's 40 minutes, it's not the shortest game we've covered. We have covered 15 minutes games and somehow that episode was an hour. <laughs> Wait, which one are you talking be- about? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Dr. Langeloff, oh, incredibly yeah. whirlwind heist, and there's an emerald involved, and that's not the actual title, but it's about Do- that Yeah, long. Dr. Lang... Oh, jeez, I'm not going to get it. Dr. Langeskov, the an emerald, a tiger, and a... Dr. Langeskov, the tiger, and the terribly cursed emerald of whirlwind heist. So Thank I did you. get all the words. You did. They were just in the wrong order. Frog Detective has a lot in common, actually, with that game. It's just as silly, and uh, you if you're going in hoping for something, uh, it's going to take a bit of a right turn. Yeah, I think knowing what to what you're expecting when you get into this game is key, but I did because I'd read a bunch of this game almost inexplicably got a lot of press when it first came out. I guess it was last year. I don't remember exactly. November, where. yeah. Yeah. Um so I say inexplicably because it's not the sort of thing that you usually see sites like uh, Kotaku, for example, um, you know, writing a lot of words about. This is a 40-minute-ish. Uh, mystery game, and that that term is used loosely, uh, that's primarily here as a sort of joke delivery system. It's a very short, very funny little adventure game. Um, Masquerading is a mystery game, but the mystery is... Is the island haunted? Yeah. The mystery. It's it's not that mysterious, really. Um, So knowing what to expect because of all of the ink spilled by by websites like Kotaku, for example, and Rock, Paper, Shotgun about this... um, I went in knowing what to expect and had a fantastic time with this game. So I, I totally recommend that folks, uh, you know, b- blow 45 minutes on it. And it's a, it's a wonderful little short experience. Um, and we don't get to talk about games this short on the short game all that often. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it was $3. Without any sale, it's $5. Uh, it's worth every penny. And I, I what I loved about this is I had a delightful time with these characters who did not take them super seriously. And then I got to read a bunch of pretty serious interviews with the creator about how she made such a light game uh, because I've played a ton of 
detective stories, I think, where they had to go super hard-boiled, real hardcore noir. And she decided to, quote, lift this music, story structure, camera angles, and episodic structure of noir. But notice that there's literally nothing else that she touched in <laughs> the characters. Uh, she said it was important that Frog Detective likes his job because people in noir seem to not like their job. And she was like, what if the noir detective liked his job and he was nice to everybody and got good. He didn't intimidate anybody. They just wanted, you know, they needed some help. He helped them. He gave them stuff. Mystery solved. Yeah. He's, he's such a good boy. He's such a, such, he's a, such sweet, a good boy. Sweet boy. I love frog detective. There's, there's no shortage of games out there that say that they are playing with uh, noir uh, detective or mystery tropes. And in, invariably, what that means is they're taking the storytelling style and the tone of noir and applying it to different genres or settings. Um, this is taking things about noir that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of as sort of key to noir, like, like she mentioned camera angles and things like that. Um, and music, and porting that over to something that lacks all of the tone and structure and content of a noir, and instead replaces that with something that I would say is closest akin to like the Muppets. And it it's it really works because it still makes you think about that noir stuff, even though it's a completely different vibe. It's like light and fun and sweet and cute and very funny. I don't know. It, it's it's really surprising how you're able to like still evoke that noir feeling while not being dark, which is sort of the key to noir, I think. Yeah, there is lightning in the background, but everybody is well lit. Um, there is uh, spooky music and spooky things happening, but a lot of people just standing around and uh, trying to act like they deserve to have their jobs. Uh, <laughs> it is a really... I keep saying light because it, it is tonally light. It is the opposite of dark. There is no, it is not trying to be overly hardcore just to make you laugh. It is funny on its own merits. It reminds me a little bit humorized. It's not as hipster as Donut, Country, Donut County. Mm. And people in there could be mean to each other. But it has the same kind of goofiness of Donut County. Also, I think they have a lot in common visually because they have a oh, very yeah. similar color palette and they're both playing with sort of like soft, lo-fi, low-poly 3D art. So I think if you like the art style of Donut County, this is immediately going to appeal to you visually. Oh, definitely. It's almost, it, it is literally cartoonishly 3D. Yeah. Um, so I think we should probably spend just a couple minutes talking about actually what this game is all about, because knowing a little bit about it in advance helped me with my experience of the game. Uh, not that I feel like there's something like deep that you need to be prepared for here, but um, it's a light adventure game. Uh, and you play as the titular frog detective, who is a very cute 3D model of a frog wearing, you know, just a, just a shirt and pants. And uh, he's investigating the mystery of a haunted island. There's uh, an island. Some of the people who live on that island think that it's haunted. Some ghost scientists have been sent out to the island and have yet to be able to determine if it's haunted or not. And so you're being sent out to interview all of the ghost scientists and the residents of the island and try to determine the, the truth about the haunted island. 
Yes. And unlike many Mars, one of the first subversions, I guess, is you get a call from your supervisor and then you just have a nice conversation about how he's doing. And (laughs) and then eventually he's like, oh, yes, there's a case I should talk about. But there's no yelling. There are beautiful pictures on the wall you can look at with your magnifying glass and you know you're in for a good safe time here. Yeah, uh, I really, really like that the penguin boss says that they asked him to send his best investigator. And then Frog Detective, completely without any ire or jealousy, says, oh, was Lobster Cop not available? <laughs> He's like, yes, Lobster Cop is unavailable. But I put my second best on it. I mean, we don't want to like retell the story of the game here or give away too many of the jokes. But like, that was very best foot forward. I I loved how positive a frog detective was about being the second best detective. And he clearly, I hope we get to meet Lobster Cop someday. Yes, I would love to meet Lobster Cop. But if you want to talk putting your best foot forward, the configuration screen has a pretty elaborate uh, apple bottom jeans, shorty got low joke in it for the graphics quality. Yep. That is putting your best foot forward. That really was. As soon as I pulled that up and I was like, oh, what is, I couldn't tell whether uh, Apple Bottom Jeans or Shorty Got Low was the high or low graphics settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pretty much have to guess. I'm not sure that the graphics settings actually do anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure they do anything. I assumed that as you go down through the lyrics, Shorty Got Low, 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 Low. So I assumed the bottom was the lowest resolution. But who knows? <laughs> Didn't really matter. This is not a game that, where graphics quality is a high decision. You're really going to miss out on all those expensive particle effects that uh, Grace spent her whole budget on. Gotta get those polygons, man. Gotta get those polygons. So the thing that probably surprised me and a lot of potential customers about this game is that while it kind of bills itself as a noir mystery game, or perhaps a subversion of a noir mystery game, um, it doesn't just subvert the the visuals of the noir uh, genre. It also subverts a lot of its what you would expect in the mechanics of a noir game and. I mean, the the main way that it does that is simply by not having them. This is a game that's like essentially takes place in a single scene. I mean, there's a there's sort of an intro scene and there's some sort of outro material, but pre- predominantly you're walking around this island that is really no larger than a sort of a mid-sized house. And uh, you're speaking to about eight different characters. And mostly the game is composed of a single puzzle, if you can call it that. Um, So you're playing a sort of very adventure gamey thing where you're talking to each of the characters. You know that you need a certain set of items and you can get them from the various characters, but each of them needs something from you. And so you're going to be spending most of the game kind of going back and forth between the characters and having really charming and funny dialogue with them to try to figure out how to get what you need from them in order to kind of collect the objects you need to complete the game. Um, And I was not expecting that. I was kind of expecting more of a mystery solving or deduction mechanic out of this. Um, What did you think about the sort of structure of the actual puzzle and everything about it? I was really surprised 
how straightforward it was because I'm used to adventure games that uh, treat you a little bit um, harshly. They mm. give you giant branching trees with 50, 70 options. And then at the end of it, someone tells you they'll give you a toothpick. <laughs> this is, hi, you can talk to them about three things. Usually they give you a problem to solve. It's very straightforward. The d that is not the point of the game. The point of the game is to have to talk to everybody because everybody is delightful and interesting and has a, a cute little neurosis you can solve. It's a joke delivery system, really. Neurosis? Like each... Neurosis. That is, the, that is the singular of neuroses. Is it now? Uh, I did yeah. not know. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, each person is kind of a joke delivery system, but they are each very unique. Like you do, um, e each one has a little bit of something that Maybe I, I think calling each one like a fully fleshed out character would be a pretty big stretch. But at the very least, each of them is a distinct caricature that is funny and interesting in its own right. I mean, you call them a joke machine. And to me, it's that you need the kernel of a character that is distinct so you know what makes them funny. Yeah. And she bothered to find that for every character. Uh, there is no character who is just like hospital administrator get a phone number. Yeah. That is not what this is about. There's never somebody who is just there to serve the plot. Everyone's got a hook, like a sheep who hates wool and thinks it's disgusting. <laughs> Perfect. Each one of them is so great. I, I think my, my favorites, the, the sheep is great. I really, really liked the mouse who's trying to impress mystery monkey uh, with his dancing skills was super charming and fun. The sloth who's the king of the island was super funny like they're they're all so charming and i kept thinking about the muppets when i when i went through it because they are the sort of characters that, that the that each one of them is i mean apart from just being like cartoonish uh sort of child children children's media style characters with with like two-dimensional but funny and interesting personality quirks um i don't know they just they felt very muppety to me even things like the way they moved and danced felt kind of muppety to me yeah, they got those squiggle arms. Yeah, I loved the animation of this. It's pretty well animated for something as simple as it is. Even when the characters are just standing still, they've all got a little bit of motion to them that feels alive. Not not like just they said, okay, we're gonna have the character breathe and they're just gonna cycle between this state and that state. Like they have a little bit of movement to them, even when they're standing still, that feels convincingly alive. And then sometimes they all have good dance moves and look awesome when they do it. And occasionally they all dance together and it's fantastic. I love the dancing and the game. It's just, the animation is so great. I adore smart, dumb things. So the dumber <laughs> something is, the smarter I want the person behind it. So when I read a quote like this from the dev, the most important thing for me about making a community within a game is to make sure the characters have a purpose for being in the space. It doesn't mean they have to be contributing to the space that, that they're around for a reason. I go, hmm. And then I realize it's because the scientists don't know what their job is. Their purpose is to stand and look busy so they can just stand there. Yeah. Like, that is a smart, dumb decision. <laughs> and I'm super here for it. Yeah, I think I really like the description of this as sort of like a smart, dumb game. Like this is full of dumb jokes, um, but you can tell that the person who made those dumb jokes was pretty smart about them. It's hard to explain, but it's uh, it's really charming. I, you know, I'm not sure how much else there is for us to say about this tiny little slice of happiness here. I, I had a lovely time playing it. Yes, just get a cup of tea, 
play this game and be in a much better mood an hour later. Yeah. Play it with somebody who you, you know, think might like a chuckle or two. And- I will say this is 100% safe for children. To oh, play. yeah. And that is not true about most of the games we play. Even the delightful ones might have kind of the stray ironic joke. This one is, it is just pure. It is pure in the internet sense of the word pure. It is very pure. And it's also very, very funny. Uh, I, I don't want us to spoil anything about this game. It is only 45 minutes to an hour long. Um, and so I I do think there's the potential of like, you know, I, the story is not mysterious enough for me to feel like spoilers would be really troublesome with it. But I do feel like I don't want to like ruin any of the, the jokes. But I do also want to, talk a little bit about some of the moments that I thought were really clever and funny to to help folks who might be on the fence about the game make up their mind about whether the sense of humor on display here is something that would be for them. Um, I know we already talked about Lobster Cop, who gets referenced several times, and just like, I cannot get enough of the phrase Lobster Cop. I love that so much. I think Lobster Cop is an excellent boy, and I kind of hope he never shows up because I want him always to be referenced as too busy. Frog <laughs> detectives on the case. It's okay. Yeah, Frog Detective is second best, and that's okay. I really enjoy when a game has a thing that you can do that has no point to it. Uh, I was a little worried when I saw this magnifying glass that I'd have to use it to look at, uh, like, find a picture things. But really, you just look up and everything gets a little bigger and a little warped. And that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, hardly even bigger. Like, I continued to use the magnifying glass throughout the whole game because it devotes an entire mouse button to it. But it does absolutely nothing in the context of the game other than make things look distorted. It's so funny. I really, really liked, uh, there were some great like l- like one-off lines here and there in the game. And um, one of my favorites was when Frog Detective was talking to the mayor or king or whatever of the island about his hat. And, uh, and he said that he can't wear hats because he has an oddly shaped head. I was like, yes, you do. You, you do yes. have an oddly shaped head, Frog Detective. Very true, Frog Detective. And I, I'll also give one more shout out to the smiley face bugs and lizards around the island. Oh, They're man. just there. They're smiling. If you if you look into like little odd corners in the game, there's sometimes little rewarding things like that. Literally every bug or starfish on the beach, or there's some snakes in the in the trees. Every one of them has has like a face and eyes, and they look hilarious. They're very cute. Like a deranged level of happiness. Yeah. I'm a little worried for the mental health of that starfish. They were, he looked like he was really excited to be stepped on, is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Kind of gross, buddy. Yeah. Take it inside. Um, it's just such a charming, funny game. I don't know how much we can really do to convey that. If you're on the fence about it, give the trailer a quick look. Uh, this game is on Steam and also on the itch store, itch.io. Um, and it's five bucks regular price. At the time of this this recording, it's on sale 20% off. So I think it's like three bucks or three, mm-hmm. is it three or four dollars? Four bucks. Three, four four bucks. bucks. It's four bucks. Anyway, it's a bargain if you just want a nice little evening. And um, I had I had a great deal of fun with this game. Also, it teases a sequel. Uh, Grace Bruxner has already said that she's working on the sequel to this game, which was teased in the final scene, which is uh, going to be the second mystery, the mystery of the invisible wizard. Yes. Excellent. I'm down for the invisible wizard. I hope that every time they look at that invisible wizard, he's doing something else cool you can't see. Yeah. That's the kind of joke that... I could literally watch someone do for minutes. 
minutes and minutes. <laughs> Maybe as many as 40 minutes. Many as 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, so this game is, uh, I mentioned, all uh, available on Steam and itch.io. It's on Windows and Mac. Uh, totally recommend picking it up. Uh, that's pretty much all we have to say about this delightful little game. Um, so I did say this was going to be a shorter episode this week. Uh, why don't we go ahead and roll on to what's making us happy? Laura, what's making you happy this week? Yes. So we are having... Uh, people over to play board games to decide if we want to keep them or donate them to a friend who is a kind of a dorm mom. She's like an RA plus because she's a grad student. And we've been playing through a lot of games that I ordered, didn't play for one reason or another. And it is Let Me Revisit Kill Dr. Lucky by T-Bass Games. Um, A game I played a lot of in high school and I had been hesitant to play because I wasn't sure it was going to be as good revisiting. It is definitely is good revisiting. Uh, Kill Dr. Lucky is a game where it's reverse clue where you're trying to kill the owner of the house rather than save him. And it, he's just very lucky and it's very hard to kill. Uh, there's a lot of fairly rich mechanics, but it's really easy to explain. And there are endless variations from zombies to dogs and cats that if you have more players can keep it fair as you get more people. You know, we closed off wings because there were three of us. Uh, All of this stuff can make it seem like a really heavy game, but it still retains the speed and the snap of Clue, but infinitely funnier. Um, People can, uh, we, I ordered the Kickstarter 19.5 anniversary edition and it's got uh, a million cards in it. It's got photos. It's got bios. You can choose, anybody can choose a female or a male version of any character. They all have excellent motivations for killing Dr. Lucky. Hmm. And I am over the moon. We're keeping this one. I'm going to be playing it more and more in the future. I love this I played game it a lot so with Reagan. Reagan yeah. introduced me to cheap ass games back in high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in high school, I lived within. Um, Within bicycling distance. No, I guess that was early college. Anyway, um, at some point in my life, I lived within (laughs) bicycling distance of a comic book store that also sold board games. And I couldn't afford most of the board games, but I could afford cheap-ass games. And if you're not familiar, uh, cheap-ass games is a company um, that has for many years done board games where they kind of stripped them down to their most essential components. So you'd, you'd buy a game and it would include just the card and the boards and the rules, for example, and wouldn't include things like dice, or money that you could rip from your Monopoly set, or tokens or chips that you could use for, you know, if you had happen to have poker chips or what have you, they would they designed their games around being inexpensive to produce um, and still being really fun board games. And Kill Dr. Lucky was their very first game, and uh, it still super holds up. Um, it's uh, so you know, you, Laura already sort of explained how it plays, but I guess what I what I emphasize about it when I talk to people about how much I love this game, I've loved this game for twenty years now, is that it is it it sits at a perfect middle point between um, the sorts of board games that board game nerds like and party games. So the kind of you know things that you might play with a bunch of uh, friends just having fun drinking beers or what have you, and uh, traditional board games like Clue. It's this sort of perfect middle point between those three because the traditional board game people will like it because they're already familiar with Clue and it ha- it's, it's, a, it's a simple but interesting subversion of Clue. Um, people who like party games will like it because the whole idea of uh, trying again and again and again and again to kill an old man and failing is inherently funny. And there's sort of an 
opportunity for storytelling that comes in with it because when you are trying to kill Dr. Lucky, um, you you have to kill him by getting a weapon and there's tons of weapons and some of them are interesting and funny like I want to kill him with a tight hat or bad cream or something. And then you, know, you have to t- try to kill him in specific rooms of the house. And so all of this kind of builds up to give you this sense that there's stories going on and you can kind of come yeah, up with them Yeah, your yourself. friends can, there's, it also incorporates lying because your friends have to team up to try to yeah. block your shot, but your friends may lie and then accidentally, you know, just end up screwing over everybody else in the game. It's, it's, it's got this great balance of humor, but also good mechanics, which is I played um, like a clue Vegas version with my brother, but it was literally just clue. And there's a lot of dead time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dead time, other people's turns and actual clue in kill Dr. Lucky because you're always thwarting other people's plans. Uh, it is a wonderful way to keep yourself invested on the off turns. That's my number one issue with um, how a lot of board games go down. So Code Dr. Lucky is definitely on the keep list. um, And we are, you know, it's wonderful to re-up your interest in the game uh, right before you move, because hopefully we will have, you know, relatives over that we need to entertain (laughs) a lot of Justin's family lives there and kill Dr. Lucky is one I could pull out with his sister and, you know, entertain the three of us for a night. Easy. (laughs) I have a bit of a story about that, which is that when I was first, um, okay. So my, my, uh, my in-laws definitely do not listen to this show so I can share the details here. Um, I, uh, when (laughs) I was start, yes, when I was moving, uh, Jamie, we were um, we were moving in together, but they didn't know that. Um, so her family came out to help her move into an apartment that a week later I was planning to move into with her as well. And this was all on the DL. But anyway, um, they came over and her dad is a truly scary guy who I, uh, I didn't understand well at all at the time and mostly just saw him as this sort of, I don't know, uh, frightening presence in, in Jamie's life. And, uh, so he came over to, to help move everybody in. And we had some downtime after we were done moving everything into the apartment. And so I pulled out my copy of kill Dr. Lucky and we all played that together. And the game, uh, as Laura said, has a kind of a bluffing mechanic where you're trying to, you know, when somebody tries to commit a murder, all the other players have to, in order, cough up enough failure cards to get uh, to get that murder attempt to fail so they can successfully try a murder later. And um, what that leads to is a situation where you, if you're going first in that, you want to lie about how many failure cards you have to force the other players to, to play theirs so that they run out of failure cards first and you still have some. Anyway, um, Jamie's dad was so dead set on his bluffing that it came down to a moment at the end of the game where I think it was Jamie was about to win as per usual. (laughs) Yeah. As per usual. And he was the last person in the sort of round Robin of paying up failure cards. And he had said during this whole process that he didn't have any failure cards at all. And the long short of it is that he insisted that he didn't have any failure cards. And we got to the end where we were literally telling him, if you have failure cards and you don't give them up right now, you will lose the game. And he insisted to the bitter end that he had no failure cards. And then, of course, he lost the game. And then, of course, he had failure cards. He would just rather have gone down lying, lying than uh, than than uh, own up to having bluffed. Uh. My personal worst bluff game situation was when someone insisted in um, coup that the whole game is 
it's basically a werewolf, if you're familiar with werewolf. It's trying to find the spy. And um, my brother had had a few too many beers and kept insisting that Justin was smart and therefore he must be the spy. And I was like, that's not how random number generation works. <laughs> he had been like, Justin is smart. He's, he's got to be the spy. And I was like, no, again, the cards are handed out randomly. But he had just had like one too many beers to get that. And it was one of the most frustrating gaming experiences of my life. Um, that and, um, you know, his wife went down lying in that game, too. Like she was the spy and he kept being like, you betrayed me. And she's like, again, I didn't choose to know how board games work. <laughs> Just he's like, you lied to me. She's like, That's literally the mechanic of this game is lying. Yep. Some people will just go down bluffing, you know, it's very funny. Um, so I, I, always, I have a very soft spot in my heart for that game and I totally recommend it. And I believe that the 20th or 19 and a half uh, anniversary edition is just available to purchase on Amazon these days. Yeah, it's completely available. I've seen it in game stores. Yeah. So uh, if you want a good time with something that doesn't feel quite as off-putting as like a game no one's ever heard of, you can just say, kill Dr. Lucky, it's reverse clue. And your friends who are scared of kind of German strategy <laughs> games will go, okay, I've played Clue. This is much there. less German than, than most of the board games I play. Exactly. Very good game. So I guess I don't have a whole lot to talk about this week, but one thing that's definitely making me happy is our new logo. I'm hoping it's on the episode that you're listening to right now. And if it's not, I'll at the very least have it as sort of chapter art that you can look at in your podcast player right now. But Laura, thank you so much for helping uh, freshen up our logo. Yeah, very happy to. We just wanted something that uh, combined all the different things we've been using. We're trying to make the show a little bit more, uh, I guess, friendly to newcomers since we've got a huge back catalog now. And so we're trying to do a couple more things of like pulling out old stuff. We're going to be working on a list of suggested first episodes for newcomers. So if you've got any favorite episodes you think we really should include in that list, let us know. But new logo is just part of that. So if you've got anything else you think looks us look sloppy, please let us know. Yeah. I, I don't want to toot our own horn too much here, but I mean, we've been doing this show now for about five years and I think we've gotten pretty okay at it. And I'm really happy yeah. with the way things have been going lately and throwing a slight new coat of paint on things never hurts. And, um, uh, listeners, I want to hear from you. If you have suggestions about things we could be doing differently with the show, even if they might, you know, I know you, I know you love the show. That's why you're listening. Thank you so much. But if you have a thing where you think, mm, I wish they'd do this a little differently. Um, we want to hear it. Can't promise to act on all of it, but we definitely want to hear that stuff. Um, we're we're doing our best to try, sort of kind of give the show a little bit of refreshed uh, attention. You may have noticed that we've resumed weekly updates. I don't want to promise anything there, but we've been making a renewed effort to have an actual weekly schedule. Uh, and that's something that we're quite proud of. Um, so yeah, let us know. And we're uh, really excited to hear uh, what people have to say, even if it is, let's say, constructive criticism. We're all ears about it. Um, and we're uh, moving forward into a new chapter of the short game. Well, thank you, Laura, for joining me on this episode of The Short Game. I know this was a short and quick one. So listeners, thank you for joining us on this one. We're going to be uh, having some much more exciting stuff to talk about next week. So join us then. Hey, this one was plenty exciting. It was just a little low key. A breather. Yeah, yeah. Kind of kind of chill. Kind of like the frog detective himself. And uh, so you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find a contact form. That's the easiest way to write us longer messages. And on Twitter, at underscore short game, a great place to leave us the shorter messages. 
Uh, and you can also email us at info at the short game.net. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Reagan K. Or I'm Reagan Kelly, but you can find me on Twitter at R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And thank you so much for listening to The Short Game.